You are listening to episode 44 of the Happy Outdoor Families podcast, and this is part two of our discussion of hidden senses. And today we are going to be talking about another very interesting sense, and that is our proprioceptive sense. We will talk all about what that is and why it's important and how it is developed. I hope that learning about these senses is as fascinating for you as it is for me and that it can give you just another encouragement for why it is so important to get outside and play. Listen in. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I am your host, Emily Eisenbarger, and I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors, whatever that looks like for you. Join with me as we dive into the beauty, the benefits, and the challenges of taking life outside. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. I am excited to dive in today about a second hidden sense that I find so fascinating, our proprioceptive sense. So we're going to talk about what this sense is, why it's important, and why getting outside for free, unstructured play helps our kids develop it. So hooray for another question answered by just playing outside. How easy, right? If you didn't hear part one, last week I talked about our vestibular sense. So you can go back and listen to that to learn a little bit about what that is. But today, let's jump into proprioception. So what is that? I'm going to just read a definition from the Encyclopedia of Neuroscience, and then we'll talk about how this shows up in real life, and I'll give you some examples. So proprioception, or kinesthesia, is the sense that lets us perceive the location, movement, and action of parts of the body. It encompasses a complex of sensations, including perception of joint position and movement, muscle force, and effort. Proprioception enables us to judge limb movements and positions, force, heaviness, stiffness, and viscosity. It combines with other senses to locate external objects relative to the body and contributes to body image. Proprioception is closely tied to the control of movement. So, If you are in a position to do so, I want you to try something. I want you to close your eyes and take one of your hands and touch your nose. Now, if you have a healthy proprioceptive sense, that was probably very easy, right? This is what our proprioceptive sense does for us. At least that's just one example. We have a sense of where our limbs are, where the parts of our bodies are, Um, how they're moving, how much force we are using when we grab something or we push something. When you are taking a drink, your proprioceptive sense allows you to move the cup at an appropriate speed and with a smooth movement so that you are not crashing your cup into your face. A lot of these things we really take for granted in our lives, right? We do not have to think about them. 
you know how much force to use when you want to pick up an object. Um, if you're picking up an egg, you know how to do that without squeezing it too hard so that it would break, right? So a lot of this just happens on autopilot in our brains and bodies. But if we didn't have that proprioceptive sense, we wouldn't be able to judge those things and move through the world like we do. So think about what the world is like for a baby who hasn't fully developed this sense, right? If you've ever seen a baby playing, you can pretty easily see that they don't have a good handle on where their limbs are or how much force to use when they grab things. Ouch, hair pulling. And they can't easily control where their hands are going. So how does this work? We have receptor cells in our muscles and joints called proprioceptors that give feedback to our brains as we move through the world. And as with many things related to our brains and bodies, the more input these receptors have dealt with, the more finely tuned they become. So over time, as a baby gains more and more experience in the world and moving their body, they start to develop better control of their limbs naturally. Anytime that we experience pressure on our joints, such as when we're jumping up and down or doing push-ups or throwing a ball, or when we're stretching and contracting our muscles, we are activating those proprioceptors. So we get a lot of important proprioceptive input from what is referred to as heavy work which includes any activities that push or pull on our bodies or more specifically on our joints. So we actually talk quite a bit about proprioception and the vestibular sense in Tinker Garden classes. We teach parents about the importance of these senses and also about how the activities that we're participating in while we're outside during a Tinker Garden class support these senses. Megan Fitzgerald, who is the co-founder of Tinker Garden, has written a lot of great blog posts and thoughts on this topic, and she lists some great ways to support proprioception, and these include walking or running, climbing on logs, rocks, or trees, throwing or catching balls or kicking balls, fort play, hauling sticks or other heavy materials, crawling or wheelbarrow walking, jumping, stomping, marching, and big hugs. All of this provides great sensory input and can be really regulating and soothing for kids. Some other ones I would add to this list would be digging holes, uh, riding a bike, climbing on monkey bars, and other playground equipment. These are all great ways to get feedback to our bodies and our joints. Now, there are many reasons that a child might have sensory processing concerns and issues with proprioception that don't have anything to do with whether or not they are getting outside enough, though I think it's safe to say that in most cases, it's not going to hurt. Unfortunately, with the steep decline in outdoor time and overall playtime for kids, many children who would otherwise have perfectly functioning proprioceptive senses are not receiving nearly as much proprioceptive input as these previous generations. 
When proprioception is out of whack for these kids, what might that look like? Kids might crave more input and seek it in ways that end up being problematic and misunderstood, such as playing too rough, stomping or jumping instead of walking, having a tendency to lean on things or even on the person next to them, chewing or biting. As you can imagine, these could all be behaviors that could be disruptive or irritating to classmates or to a teacher when all that kid is really doing is trying to regulate their bodies. And of course, they don't know that. They just know that they have that desire to do those things to get that input for their bodies. And then that helps them to calm down and to feel better. Kids who have been more sedentary and haven't had enough proprioceptive input might struggle with certain things such as knowing how hard to hug somebody or touch somebody. They might struggle with handwriting because they're either pressing way too hard or not hard enough. They might not have good muscle tone, um, problems with coordination. A lot of things could go wrong or there could just be these tiny struggles that could be vastly improved by just getting out and getting a little bit more of that input. Unfortunately, being deficient in sensory input can lead to disruptive behaviors at home or in school, which can lead to frustration on all sides. Angela Hanscom in Balanced and Barefoot, which I referenced last week as well, this is an excellent book that talks about a lot of these things. She talks about how more and more often schools are banning games like tag because kids are simply hitting too hard. They don't have that good sense of how much force to use because they haven't developed it. She says, what was once considered a simple and honest game of good fun has become a nightmare on the playground. Children are starting to hit with such force that they often end up whacking their opponent across the back with a monstrous slap. One teacher states, we have to make up extra rules for them because they have trouble knowing how to use appropriate touch with one another. And I thought this was so interesting because I think a lot of times we hear about how um, rules are too restrictive on the playground, right? Or that playgrounds, we talked about last week how playgrounds are a lot tamer than they used to be. They're not the same physical challenge. And I think that is true that kids aren't being challenged physically as much um, through their play on playgrounds. And maybe sometimes the rules are a little bit too protective because we don't want to deal with the hassle of a child getting hurt. But when I think about this, when I think about these hidden senses, I do wonder if some of that change has come from the fact that schools are now dealing with kids who don't have the same sense that previous generations had. They're hitting too hard. They don't have as much coordination and balance. So if they had those bigger and more complex playgrounds, they may get hurt more than previous generations. And so we end up in this kind of vicious cycle where kids are more likely to get hurt because they don't have a really robust vestibular system and proprioceptive sense. And then they're not getting enough input because they're not being challenged and they're not being given that time and space to get the sensory input that they need. So we're in this really frustrating place. And of course, in these examples I'm talking about with schools and what regulations and rules and opportunities they provide, obviously this is not just about school. 
Um, We can't rely on the time that our kids are at school for them to be getting all of this input and all of this big, heavy work play that they need. So we have to be proactive about that and think about what we can do outside of school hours so that our kids are prepared for school. So this is actually another thing that has made me feel really good about our decision this year to get out to the playground in the mornings before school because my kids are able to get a lot of those heavy work movements in. They get lots of sensory input before they ever have to sit down and focus for the day. So if you have a child that is struggling in some of the ways that we've been talking about in this episode or last week, that might be something to consider trying if your schedule would allow it. It doesn't have to be on the school playground. It could be at home. Just to think about how can I allow my child to get a little bit more sensory input before they head into their classroom. This could look like so many different things. Maybe a bike ride around the block. Maybe some silly jumping jacks or frog jumps together, or just make sure you get in a few extra big bear hugs before your kid gets out the door. Or teachers, consider incorporating some big movements into your class day and see if it helps some of the students in your class who might be struggling. And of course, if you have a child who is dealing with sensory processing concerns and it feels appropriate, certainly consult a professional and get their opinion about what the right course of action is for you. I think a lot of what I'm thinking about as I'm creating this podcast episodes is those kids who, again, if they just had the input, they would be fine. And of course, that's not always the case. It's not always going to be true that just by getting some extra playtime outside, your child's sensory processing concerns are going to disappear. But again, it certainly doesn't hurt and hopefully will be just another tool in your tool belt that you can use to help your child to feel better and have a better day. I'll give you one other example of using proprioceptive input to help a child regulate. So Megan Fitzgerald used to be an elementary school principal. And one of the things that she used to do is she says she used to welcome teachers to offer students who were having trouble settling into learning the invitation to bring a large book to her office. And she says they nearly always took her up on the offer and they felt great to be helpers and that chance to walk, climb stairs, and do some heavy work was also often the reset that kiddos needed. So I love that example of recognizing an issue that could be solved through a little extra sensory input. So again, I'm here talking about all of this, not because I just want you to be frustrated or sad that this is an issue of our modern day, but to share the good news that the solution for so many kids who are struggling is simple. And it's the solution that I have offered over and over for so many different things. And that is to go outside and play. And if you're already doing lots of that, to just remember that it is not frivolous. It is not a break from more important things. As Fred Rogers would say, play is really the work of childhood in ways far beyond what we might recognize at the surface. Our brains and bodies need play. 
And I will say that this is true for children and it's also true for adults. Our bodies are soothed and regulated by sensory input. And that's probably going to look different for you than for your kids, but don't forget yourself. So get out there, have a great week, jump off some big rocks with your kids, go on a bike ride, throw a ball, do whatever feels good to you to get some of that great regulating sensory input. So if you are feeling fired up about free play and you want to help support your schools in providing adequate playtime for the kids in your community, then next week's episode is definitely for you. Be sure to tune in and learn a little bit from a fantastic guest. I am going to be sharing a conversation that I had with Summer Bellany all about advocating for better recess policy. And I can't wait for you to hear it. If you have been enjoying the show and this is a podcast that has been helpful or encouraging for you, I'm so glad. And I would appreciate it so much if you would take just a second to leave a rating and a review in your podcast app so that more people can come and join us and be a part of these conversations and part of this movement of getting ourselves and our kids back outside. And I would love to hear back from you about what topics are really interesting to you. What else you would like to hear on the show or who else you would like to hear come on and talk with us. You can leave that in a review or you can find me over on Instagram at happy outdoor families, where I would love to chat with you. Thanks again for being here and listening. And until next time, I will see you outside.